0: Matthew, chapter 14, verse 13, reads as follows. Now when Jesus heard heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. When the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. He ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and two fish, looked up to heaven, and blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over and broke in broken pieces, 12 baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. God's word for God's people and God's people said amen. amen. You may be seated. For the time that is ours to uh, share together, I want to talk about doing more with less. Doing more with less. I I like this text. It's uh it's one of the few passages we have in the Bible that is actually covered in all four Gospels. Uh it's in Matthew 14, 13 through 21, in your hearing. Uh, it's also in Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44. It is also in Luke chapter 9, verses 10 through 17, and in John. Uh, chapter 6 verses 1 through 13 academically most parallel gospels um, when they want to write a book or something comparing all the gospels they usually stick with Matthew, Mark and Luke uh, primarily because they agree with each other and academically the the, uh, theologians believe they came from the same source uh, and reference each other whereas uh, John does not so I like it when all when there is something that you can talk about that is in all four Gospels. Uh, I also have a bit of a fascination with the phrase doing more with less. Uh, whether I hear it being used by some business people as a cliche to justify laying off a bunch of people and still expecting the same amount of work to get done uh, when they want you to be more efficient, do more with less or um, if it's someone who is truly capable of getting more out of something than the average person is able to do, I think about a, uh, someone who's able to just sing and play the piano and do better singing and playing the piano than uh, an entire orchestra could do sometimes. You, you do more with less. Does that make sense? Um, something lately when I think about uh, doing more with less is uh, our armed services and uh, their MREs. MRE is an acronym for Meals Ready to Eat. And I think about our armed services deployed in the field, our armed veterans, rather, uh, deployed in the field with these MREs. See, they don't have time to go back to the, the cafeteria or the mess hall to get food when they're out in the middle of the battle. So they put together these packages that are not very heavy and they're not very big and they've got an entire meal in them. Uh, you know, they'll have a main dish, uh, a side dish, a, a, a dessert or a snack in the bag, and, and uh, it's usually a four to five pastry. Uh, they'll have crackers or bread, uh, a cheese spread or peanut butter or jelly. Uh, they'll have a powdered beverage mix which will either be fruit-flavored drink, cocoa, instant coffee, tea, uh, some sort of sports drink or a, a shake, uh, utensils, which is primarily just a plastic spoon, a flameless ration heater, which is a little, like, packet where you flip the top off and it, it heats the food. Uh, they'll have a beverage mixing bag, an accessory pack, a uh, Zytotol chewing gum, water-resistant matches, uh, a napkin, uh, maybe some toilet paper as well, uh, a moist toilet, and sometimes some seasoning, which can include salt, pepper, sugar, creamer, and or Tabasco sauce. All of that fits into a little package about the size of a hymnal, maybe a little bit bigger. And that is supposed to be what the soldiers have to eat when they're out in the field for battle. Now, it's designed for combat out in the field or long-term deployments. Because they can't go back to base. They can't go back to the mess hall to get a good meal. And the M-R-Z, MRE rather, is designed to be lightweight. And not only is it designed to be lightweight, it's designed to have a shelf life of three years. So because it's designed to be lightweight and have a long shelf life, they decided to skimp on the taste. When you got that dried processed food, it's not going to taste very well because it's meant to hold up long. You get a good meal, a good meal, you leave it out, it's not going to last long because the bacteria is going to think it's a good food too. There are some foods, uh, I've actually heard this about certain candy bars, that you could leave a candy bar out, uh, certain types of candy bars out rather, and uh, the animals won't touch it because it's, it's, uh, yeah... Seeing that with cheeseburgers from McDonald's as well. There's a person on Facebook that bought a cheeseburger in 2011 and left it just sitting somewhere for three years. It still looks the same. No mold, no mildew. It still looks like that little plain package of food. But they they do that because they... It's processed, and it, it has to last a long time. So, because the food doesn't taste good, because it's designed to last long, uh, some of the savvy veterans have come up with ways to uh, make the food taste a little better, make it last longer. Uh, I know I was talking to some con- some military contractors and veterans uh, in preparation for my sermon and one of the things I know that they would do uh, in order to heat the food up the the, 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 the the flameless ration heater didn't necessarily heat the food evenly so they knew where to keep it in a certain spot on the truck while they were out in order to heat the food evenly and longer and there were some other things that they would do one of the things that I heard was that they would mix the creamer in the sugar and uh, put the cracker in the creamer and the sugar mix and eat that together so it tasted like a sugar cookie. And they came up with with all of these different ways, uh, with the Tabasco sauce and the spices, to to put it together so that the food could be enjoyable, making more with less. Uh, There was a website called supportourtroops.org in 2011 that came out with a, a, a put an effort together to uh, gather up, I call them pizza spices, but uh, you know when you order a pizza for delivery, you get the little packets and you can get the Parmesan cheese, the garlic, the oregano, the crushed red pepper, all of that. I call them that, but that's what they were trying to send because they wanted to send that out to the soldiers, and they, at the time they sent about 250,000 packages in 2011 so that they could have more spices to mix with the food to make it edible. They, they were learning to do more with less. Uh, also, when I think about doing more with less, uh, something that comes to mind is prison food. Um, I hear in prison the food is not that great. I hear uh, <laughs> in jail that it is not that great. I know when uh, I went to visit a jail years ago in Freeport, Illinois uh, they were telling me how they feed them and they told them like on a certain day of the week they actually got McDonald's but it wasn't McDonald's like you went to go get it would be large orders that were ordered over time and then by the time they actually got to, to the people the food was probably a day old Archbishop Veron Ash spoke of his time in jail and he said that he would rather eat food people had thrown away on the side of the road when he was doing the mandatory highway cleanup than actually eat the food that they served him in prison because it was that horrible Uh, I also think about an interview I saw with one of many with professional boxer Bernard Hopkins he uh, served some time in prison and uh, in a New York uh, uh, Times article it said that you know not surprisingly Hopkins hated the food in prison the powdered eggs, the starch the menu was posted at the beginning of the week so he learned how to work around the worst meals smuggling leftovers into his cell or drinking water to fill his stomach he traded cartons of cigarettes and cups of noodles for more desirable food. He could subsist on meals sometimes for days and just eat the peanut butter and jelly and the bread he said himself you learn how to survive buddy you learn how to make an oven out of batteries and an aluminum foil and a shoebox. Wow. you become a farmer's market an entrepreneur I recall a, a, a interview a live interview on the show uh, the Jim Rome show where Bernard Hopkins was talking about his time in prison and how he knew exactly how many outlets were in the prison and how he could make an oven out of it and he would use that to heat over the meat and, and put the cheese on top. And so if he wanted a hot meal, that's what he'd have to do. And it would take like three hours, you know, because you, you, you're basically heating uh, uh, the food with the equivalent of what's an easy-bake oven, a lamp and a box of foil with the meat on top. But he had time to wait for that, and that was better than what he had to eat. So he was doing more with less. Bernard Hopkins made more with less and now he's out of prison and a a champion professional boxer so he doesn't have to do more with less anymore unless he wants to but the thing is i have a fascination whenever you can show me someone who's capable of doing more with less it catches my attention and i thought about that as was preparing this text because jesus did more with two fish and five loaves of bread than most of us could have done with a team of chefs yeah. and plenty of time to prepare. He did more with less. And so I took notice at what he did to do more with less. Uh, the first thing I noticed in the text that he did in order to do more with less is he rested. Okay. Uh, when you read the gospel according to Matthew, in the 13th chapter, Jesus is going around teaching in synagogue. He's healing the sick. He's doing mighty works. I mean, that is until he got to his own hometown, Nazareth, and got rejected. And uh, went on to say that a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. And then he left. And at the beginning of chapter 14, uh, Jesus gets word that John the Baptist, his cousin, has been beheaded as a birthday gift. For the daughter of Herodis, Herod, Herodias, uh, Jesus had been working, he heard some bad news, and so he went away to rest. We'd be more productive sometimes if we rested more. We ought to rest more. Our, our body needs it. When we don't rest, our body breaks down. If we can we could be more productive, if we spend some time resting, but notice I said that Jesus did some work first. We don't want to use this re- This is a reason to just keep on resting over and over again. We need to do some work, then rest. Work, then rest. Right. But Jesus rested. And you know, we hear this term all the time called multitasking. Doing multiple things at the same time. But studies have actually shown us that multitasking is not productive at all. Uh, there was a, a published report, a, a medical institute in Paris did, a, uh, did this report, and they said whenever you need to pay attention, there's an area toward the front of your brain called the free prefrontal cortex, and that's what goes into action. And it covers both the left and the right side of your brain. It's part of your brain's motivational system. It helps to focus your attention on a goal and coordinates messages with the brain's other systems to carry out the task. The problem is, is what they did for one of these tests is they had people do multiple tasks at the same time. But they noticed that even when you do multiple tasks at one t- at the same time, your brain still picks one as more important than the other and will focus on that. And They noticed especially when there's a perceived reward at hand, whichever you think is going to get you the better reward, whichever you think is going to be more important, you focus on that more. So even though you think you're doing both tasks well, you're still really only doing one really well and the other one suffers. And the bottom, and, and, and it does not get better with practice. The more you practice, the worse you actually get at multitasking. And not only that, it gets worse with age. And on top of that, uh, the big thing that I, I caught out of this study is that when you multitask, you have a harder time ignoring external distractions. So you set out to do a whole bunch of things and then you get caught up on Facebook and phone calls and emails and conference calls and text messages. And so you thought you was going to knock out a whole bunch of stuff, but because you were multitasking, you got easily distracted. Multitasking defeats the purpose. Work, Rest. Work, rest, work, rest, focus. So that's the first thing I noticed about Jesus doing more with less. Second thing I noticed about Jesus doing more than less is you got to do what you love. When you do what you love, the the troubles, the challenge of actually doing the task doesn't seem that hard. You kind of ignore the distractions. When when you're motivated to do something you love, it's easier to take care of it. It's easier to do it. In the text, Jesus was resting. He had went away. But the text says that he saw the multitude and was moved with compassion for them. When you do what you love, it seems easier to work. And then sometimes it doesn't even feel like work. And that compassion is shown by how he tends to the needs of the multitude. By healing their sick. The word for compassion that they use in the Greek actually also means to move. So there's an action in the love. Love is an action. Jesus didn't just look at them and say, I love y'all, be blessed. See y'all later. No, he did something. And not only did the word that they they use for compassion mean to move, it also means it's used for anatomy, which means dealing with the inward parts. It's deep. He loved them deeply in the noble and most endless parts. Not a superficial feeling, but something that is deep inside of us. When you have love and compassion for something you do, the troubles don't seem so bad. And I'm so glad that Jesus loves us. Ephesians 2, 4-5 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together, uh, together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. First John in First John four nine through eleven says, and in this love of God who is manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this love, not have we loved, but God He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Love. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand mysteries and knowledge, and all, I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I live my body, give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long, love is kind. Love does not envy, love does not parade itself, it is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail, whether there are tongues, they will cease, whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I should know just as I have known. And now abide in faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of them is love. God loves us. Jesus loves us. Jesus loved those people and that's why he was able to do more with less. Third thing I noticed about uh, doing more with less and Jesus did more and less is prioritizing. The disciples wanted to send the multitude home. Jesus wanted them to stay. The priority was in the work being done. And Jesus understood that. I also noticed something in some of the other texts that I, I, I felt like pointing out. Is that uh, in some of the other texts, the disciples get specific about how much it would cost to feed all these people. And one thing I noticed about it when I read the text is nobody ever said we don't have the money. They just said it would cost a lot to feed them. It never says we don't have the money, it just says it costs this many denarii, and that's a lot of money. You want us to go buy, spend all this money on them? So I noticed that. And they made decisions in the text, right or wrong, but they were decisions based on their priorities. So you got to ask yourself what are your priorities? And if you have some trouble answering the question, look in your checkbook, look at your bank statement, look at where you spend your time. That'll help you figure it out. Whatever you see the most going to, I'd be willing to bet that is priority. And again, not just your money, where you spend all your time, where you spend your energy, that is where your priorities are. Only what you'll do for Christ will last. I'm still amazed every time I think about the interview with Russell Simmons, a man who's made hundreds and millions of dollars off of the music industry, asking a man who plays music for a living to tell him what the top rotation songs were, the top rotating songs were six months ago. Couldn't nobody name it. The whole studio full of DJs. What was the number one song six months ago? I don't know. can't remember six months ago. You most certainly can't remember a year ago. And there's a lot of things you can't remember. But I do know 2,000 years ago, God sent his son to die for our sins. And so whoever believeth in him will be saved. That lasts longer than any song can. You got to learn your priorities. And the final thing I noticed about being able to do more than less, you know, we rested, we uh, we focused on everything and, and and cut away from the multitasking. We 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 do what we love. We we prioritize. The 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 last thing I noticed that Jesus was capable of doing more from less is knowing where. His help came from. If we go back to the text and look right around, verse uh, 19 says he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the loaves and the two fish, he looked up to where heaven and blessed it, and then and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and he knew where his help come came from. If you are going to do more with less in your life. You have to understand that you are not the actor. You are not the one doing everything. You must be able to understand that your help comes from the Lord. If you could do it by yourself, wouldn't be no need for God. But you turn your problems over to the Lord. Something else I noticed in the text, you know, they got that food from a little boy. That was a little boy's lunch when you read all four stories together. And I noticed one thing is that he, they mentioned the boy handing the the resources over to God, to Jesus, and he's not mentioned anymore. So it tells me once you turn your problems and your resources over to the Lord, you don't have to handle them anymore. The Bible says in Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes to the hills, from which cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Below he, be, behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade, and your right hand as the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall, shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth forevermore. Your help comes from the Lord. Psalm 54 4 says, Behold, the Lord God is my helper. The Lord is who will uphold my life. And Old Romans eight thirty-one through 39 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trial tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written for your sake we are killed all day long we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for i am persuaded neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing so be able to separate us from the love of god which is christ jesus our lord our help comes from the lord if we want to do more with less we need to incorporate the lord in what we do and understand that all comes from him in the name of the father in the name of the son and in the name of the holy spirit the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come